Hey, everybody. Welcome to Slasher. I hardly know her. It's the show where we talk about things. Anything can happen, but nothing rarely does. And I've got an, uh, a great guest today. He is a Nobel Peace Prize winner. He is one of the world's leading experts in uh, chupacabra lore. And he's an Oscar nominee. You know him. You love him. Ladies and gentlemen, Alex. Should we insert applause there, you think? I mean, we should put canned applause and canned <laughs> laughter throughout the show. Well, I, think I that mean, would really yeah, improve ab- the production. Absolutely, value. I, I don't disagree with you. And uh, I also wanted to point out to you in our last podcast, I listened to it because you know that's what you do. Uh, and I would say a good eighty percent of you is just sighing. Yeah, that <sighs> right there. That's it. <laughs> It is the start. I'm like, hey, so Michael, what do you? That wasn't even planned. That was real. What do you think about this? Sometimes (sighs) I don't know what to say. You know, in real life, I don't talk that much. That's not true. You talk nonstop to you, but to most people, I don't. I don't know if you know this about me, me. but I am. I'm a bit of an introvert. I'm an introvert around you and our close friends. Sure, I'll talk, but left to my own devices. I'm not the loudest guy. I met you because you worked in the news business and you were the lead singer in a band. That's the Do you know uh, that I would go into a bathroom, I would get like nervous diarrhea and sometimes vomit before shows? Is that why your band was called Nervous Diarrhea? <laughs> I should have asked that <laughs> all these years. I just thought, just thought that was a clever idea. Uh, uh, oh, damn it, I did it again. I'm going to be <laughs> overly self-conscious of sighing now. Good. I want you to be. You're, you're All right, res- fine. <laughs> you I'll sounded exasperated sigh. at everything I said. I just sigh and giggle like a girl. It's because I don't know what to say. I don't have a lot to say about things. I, I'm not anyway. Well, welcome to the show. It's really nice to have you on. I'm Micah. Our special guest today is Alex. We're going to be discussing a little movie called Basket Race. It's about a. It's a Walt Disney movie about a hot air balloon race. <laughs> Great family film. You watched Basket Race, right, Alex? <laughs> I tell you what, I wish I did. Sounds fantastic. Sounds a lot better than what Wait, you had me. You watch. didn't watch. You didn't watch no, Basket Race. The, what movie did you I watch? Got, I, somehow we got our wires crossed. I watched this uh, piece of crap called Basket Case. What is the secret Dwayne is hiding in the basket? What's in the basket? Easter eggs. What's in the basket? Clothes. What's in the basket? Oh shit! We watched different movies. I don't. I don't. Maybe we should regroup and, and try again next week. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna watch Basket Race. You need to watch Basket Case because someone else has to go through this. It's a tough watch. I, can I, I? I turned it off halfway through. I was literally almost exactly halfway through the movie where I turned it off, and I was like, I can't. I can't. I was talking to my my better half, and I'm like, I can't do this. I can't watch any more of this. So I got up. I paced around my house. I got a snack, and then I looked at. I knew we were recording today. This is last night that I'm watching. I'm like, shit. There's no other time to watch it. So I'm gonna have to finish it. And the second half, I think, is a, a hell of a lot better than the first half. I was more into it. They did a little backstory, and then I was back in and was able to finish. Well, two questions on that. First off, when uh, I do, well, not two questions. I do agree with you. I think the second half was better. And then also, when you say your better half, do you mean uh, 
your brother who was cut off of your side in some kind of <laughs> bizarre ass family angry family nurse ritual in the dining room? I do not, but yes, no, the yes, that is what I meant. I, I was also, that's why I wanted to watch this movie because it hits so close to home for me because I too was once with a conjoined twin that was brutally cut off of me and thrown into a trash bag and left uh, by the side of the house because that's what you do with uh, conjoined twins and that's exactly what happens in the movie. It is exactly what happens in the movie and here's my sigh. I mean... <laughs> oh, bu- okay. Oh, First buddy. impressions. There, Tell me what what did you think of Basket Case? There is a lot here, man. There is a lot here. Uh, did- it's a really fucked up movie. I, I, you know, and it was weird when it comes on. It says like presented by the Museum preserved of by. Art, so I- it says preserved by the Museum of Modern Art. So what the hell is that? What is that? I guess this is not just horror. This is an art film. Oh man. I mean, well, first off, how Mama got involved, I don't know. Is it Mama? MoMA? Anyway, the Museum of Modern Art, they preserved this film, and thank God they did. So how did you know about this movie? I mean, this movie was on my radar. I mean, I have i can't say as I knew of, like the plot, but I knew this movie existed. I've seen the VHS at the movie stores growing up. I just never rented it. That's all I knew about it. I'd seen the VHS as a kid because it was gross and it was weird. You got a weird face and a basket. Oh, no, I think it was just a hand coming out of I the do, basket. Do you even see I the believe, face? I believe you're right. Uh, let's take a look. I'm actually armed with a phone and a computer. This uh, You have a computer? So I'm recording this. Yep, it is a basket with you can see the eyes and then there's kind of a hand coming out. The basket is like, like crept open like just a little bit. There's so many boxes, like VHS boxes that I saw at the little gas station video store by my house that I was never allowed to rent. So all I got to know of so many of the horror movies of the 80s and 90s was just seeing the box because if it was had any sex, if it had too much violence or swearing, I wasn't allowed to watch it. So I have so much, uh, so much of my relationship with movies, uh, especially sexy or scary movies from the 80s and 90s, is literally just from picking up boxes, making sure my dad's not around, picking up an R-rated movie and be like, oh, God, I wish I could see this. Well, I'm not sure what your parents' beef with this one was because it was neither sexy nor scary. This movie, I mean, I guess we should give any listeners that don't know what this movie's about, you should give them a little synopsis. But, I mean, this is a movie about a ball sack that has two arms, no legs, and can communicate in no way but constant incessant screaming you know you've actually touched on something interesting i was doing some research and originally the title was called scrotum in a basket (laughs) which would have been a great title for a movie Uh, i mean it is a ball sack i mean he's he's he's, (laughs) and the and the monster this thing this puppet oh god there's so much to get into Okay, I mean, it's and it just drops you in. We start the movie, and it's just this goofy, nice kid. Well, I, I guess he's not a kid. What is he, in his 20s, early 20s, mid-20s? I'd say he's in his early 20s. He could drink at a bar. So we, we got this guy in his early 20s. He's a nice-looking fella. He's got terrific curly hair. Looks kind of like Sigourney Weaver's hair from Alien. And, uh, and it starts off at a, a guy's house, a doctor. He's walking out. 
He's locking things up, and then he hears something in the woods moving around. He gets scared. He goes back in. He grabs his tiny, tiny pistol, loads it full <laughs> of bullets, hears something in the house, and uh, does what any reasonable person would do to defend himself, which is just shooting all willy-nilly into the dark until he runs out of bullets <laughs> did, in his neck. Did now. you see he used both fingers to pull the trigger? <laughs> did he? he I didn't it. even notice that. Yeah, he held it with you know two hands and uh, used both index fingers to pull the trigger at the same time. How it did was, he even I, fit two fingers into that tiny I, little little gun? It was uh, it was a new way to shoot a gun in my cinematic memory. I, I wasn't I wasn't sure I've ever seen that on film. Maybe that's why he did it. He was like, you know what? Everybody does it one fingered. I'm gonna. He was a rebel. One. He was an innovator. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, he I'll show him how it's done. Kind of like Kevin Spacey held his cigarette really weird in The Usual Suspects. This guy's like two finger trigger pull. Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> uh, so he's shooting the doctor. He's shooting Doctor Leftlander, I believe was his name. And how we're the hell dropped do you know? in. That's amazing. Uh, I watched the movie because I I thought that they said Liplander, which I thought was a joke name. Uh, Dr. Liplander, but I think it was Leftlander. And he, he's in the house there. Uh, he shoots and then he a hand reaches out a big puppet hand. I think it's missing a finger. And uh, and it's somehow I guess it's a magical magnet hand because it doesn't grab his face. It just it touches his face, but is able to pull him down without grabbing his face and does it uh, not touch i mean i think I it was the cheap puppet hand i mean not not that it was bad looking it's a pretty good looking uh scrotum hand and it just scratches his face up there's blood and he's he's dead i like you it took me two chances to get through this but mine were split over an evening uh so i actually watched this a couple of nights ago, so I, my memory won't be as fresh as yours. But it was it was a pretty hokey death. It is pretty hokey. Uh, it, it, you watch it, and I kind of wonder, like, how how did it kill him? How did the what what happened that made him die? I see some face scratches, but I think we find out later in the movie he was he was ripped in half. Uh, it's fair to say, how did this happen? Like, how did he kill this person? for every death in the movie. I'd say that's fair. There, It's not clear to me what the scrotum is doing when it's attacking someone, and it is. there's only one death that's clear to me, and that is the father. And, you know, I don't want to do things out of order. I mean, not that it really matters, but... Uh, oh, yeah, though, the machine that they've rigged in the world's <laughs> largest basement. The world's largest basement. The world's largest medieval basement. It is, uh, it is a. Uh, they've made some Goonies esque booby trap. Uh, yeah, it's like there's a, like a big saw a, blade a, and a, maybe a the biggest fork. saw blades. No, the, I mean like I don't know why whatever contraption that is that made the saw run. Why on earth did it have such a big saw blade? I mean, I got a shop full of tools out there. I mean, where do you buy that saw blade? What tool is that ginormous saw blade for? And I they think like, these are standard issue for gigantic basements. There's always a big, big saw blade that's, you know, how big do you think that thing was? It's as big as a, uh, uh, Alex, help me. I'm drowning. It's as big it's as a, a what? It, it's a Captain America shield size saw blade. I think it's even bigger than Captain America's shield. 
In fact, it there's a be. lot of on. I saw a Reddit where they're arguing about whether or whether or not that saw blade is bigger or smaller than Captain America's shield, and nobody has come to a conclusion. They're still it, arguing about it. Pretty as fairly we split. This. Well, it was ridiculous. It was like attached to a wheelbarrow or something, and <laughs> and then they released the saw blade. And again, we're doing this way out of order, but they release this up late and it comes tumbling down the stairs or whatever it is. It's not stairs. It's like some kind of hill. And the dad doesn't move an inch. He screams and then is cut clean the fucking half. Like a lot of scary movies and that scene in Austin Powers where the, the steamroller is coming towards a man. There's plenty it of time It was just like that. It really, truly was just like that, though. It was like the Austin Powers scene, where it's like, oh, my God, oh, and then you really look. And, I mean, like, he had plenty of time to get out of the way. But he, it was like he had made the decision of, I'm scared, but kind of want to see if this will kill me. And, and this it, is backstory. You it, don't it, it get did. this at the beginning of the movie. This comes later. The movie starts. Correct. We've got a doctor leaving his house. He gets killed somehow. And then is that when it drops us into New York City? Yep, drop into New York City with the worst ADR I've ever heard in a, a, a scene on the street in my life. And you got a boy in his basket walking down the street. He's looking for a hotel room. Like you Good do. Good God, did this this movie had more just like side character actors than, than any movie I can remember. Everybody is weird. Everybody's got a unique personality, and there's a ton of them. All of the uh, the uh, tenants of this this hotel that cost, what, $20 a night. I and they're love, all weird. They're all character I, actors. They're all bigger than life. I appreciate your use of the word actor. <laughs> you are liberally applying that to a wide swath of what I can only assume were people they pulled in off the street and said, "Hey, man, can you uh, can you say these lines real quick?" They all. Every actor in this movie made choices, and every actor decided to go big. Let's go yeah. over the top with this. Nobody phoned it in. Did you notice that our main actor? What's our main character's name? Dwayne or something? Dwayne Bradley. Dwayne Bradley. Uh, so Dwayne goes into the hotel, and he's very odd in renting his room, and he has this bananas-ass accent. It is a like a weird, like, spaced-out, like, monotone accent that, from that point on, is never used again in the movie at all, and he's actually a pretty affable dude. For the rest of the movie, he's talkative, He's he laughs. In fact, he has the most ridiculous laugh in the world later. Uh, but, like, it's I kind of felt like this movie, unlike most movies, was shot in order. It felt like at the beginning of the movie, no one knew their character, and at the end, they did. I really feel like this was shot in order. And he really seems like a sweet kid. He doesn't seem like a guy who would be on a, on a killing spree with his deformed scrotum... Uh brother who lives in the basket he seemed like a psycho in that first scene though when he's like trying to rent the room i mean i would have been like dude rent another room this guy is a guy that i mean like if he came to your house and and spoke in that accent and said anything i need to use your phone my car broke down um hey can you give me directions to i would not answer the door i mean like he is a little creepy i'll give you he's just right then seems like he might be on a head full of acid yeah, absolutely. In that first scene. From that point on, though, he's a nice kid. He's nice a nice kid. guy. Great yeah. kid. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You got to uh, love him. That was, I think the director knew at some point we were going to have to learn to love this kid, understand his plight and the hell that he's been through. Did you notice when he was checking in at the hotel, like he's, you know, the guy's like, ah, $20. And I think the guy actually says, get out of here. And he actually said, I mean, it was like this, they were like, be as New York as you can. But did you see the little picture behind him? Like he tells him like, you know, no dope fiends here or whatever. It's $20. Like we were on a good place here. But right behind him, there was like an ad and it was like a Gene Simmons, like sex doll thing or something. It looked just like Gene Simmons, and it was this like cutout newspaper ad that was behind him on the wall. Did you notice that? I did not notice that at all. Uh, mm. But let's take a, a moment to appreciate that you noticed that, and you also noticed the uh, can or box of topless onions in Sleepaway Camp. Uh, another thing I didn't notice. You're topless reading. Onions. You're reading labels, looking at posters in the background. I'm watching the the characters do the scene, and you know, you're you're checking out the uh, the props. I want to see every. I really want to take it in. I want to give our listeners the ultimate experience, especially in a movie like this, so that I, they don't have to fucking watch it. <laughs> they need to watch it. I don't, well, you know what? Uh, we'll get to it. that's that's in that's into the show stuff. That's into the show stuff. And the but checkout the, time was the guy also that's twelve. Checking him in at the hotel, he was Bob Hoskins uh, playing Mario yeah. in the Mario Brothers movie. Did you see it? He looks just like oh, that yeah, guy. yeah, man. Yeah, there's a scene. Uh, He's got a mustache. He's wearing overalls. Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy, he might be the best actor in the movie. And I want to point out, not a bad, like, building super or whatever. I've lived in apartment buildings where the management cared way less about what was going on. This guy's constantly going into rooms and checking shit out for people and, like, trying to save their lives. I mean, like, people are coming out of their room screaming because they see this ball sack try to kill them, and then he just, he's right in there. He's like, there's nothing in here. But, I mean, like, I've lived in apartment buildings where I can't get a faucet fixed. This guy cares. He angrily he cares. lifts he up ang- that yes. desk, you know, that desk on a hinge, the countertop. And marches up the stairs over and over again, yells at all the tenants because apparently he's not just the uh, the building manager, but he's also their their coach, their life coach, their leader. Yeah, because everybody cares listens to him and, and they do what he says. Uh, you're gonna love this. That little office room that he's constantly lifting the door, the little counter door from, like that, uh, you know, like they have at a bar or whatever. Yep. Uh, to get out there, that is in actuality an elevator. Uh huh. Yeah. Elevator. The, the, the movie shot on such a crap budget. I went down, you know, as I do, I went down the wormhole or the rabbit hole rather on this one. And uh, that room is not a room. It's an elevator. They propped open and made look like an office to shoot that scene. So that, that tiny little office is actually an elevator. How about that? I didn't see that for a second. How in the world did you even figure that out? I didn't figure it out. I read it. I mean, like I, I read, you know, one of the things that interests me about a movie like this is, you know, how did this thing get made like literally what went into making this thing like how they get their funding and where do they shoot it and this one is a true testament to guerrilla filmmaking they got no permits for anything if you see them on the street shooting they didn't pay that extra money for that permit and, you know what uh, i think i did read that somewhere that they had to be on the lookout for cops be ready to shoot start the scene and then get the hell out of there before they got caught shooting without a permit yeah, they're, they're not paying any, they don't have the money for that crap. And I'm sure even in 1982 or 81 or whenever this was, uh, that I, I'm sure it was still expensive to get a permit in New York. Although this was that uh, disgustingly seedy New York of our childhood. 
That's you know, the like, real New York, the way New York used to be. Hookers and drug dealers, and you're going to get stabbed for sure if you go down a dark alley. Right, and that's a true thing. I mean, like back in the 80s, like New York really was terrible. And for any younger viewers, that was a thing. I mean, it was a it was a news story. The murder rate was huge in New York. And so in the 80s, New York is always depicted as this disgusting, nasty place. Now, I've never been to New York. You went to, you lived in New York, right? I've been there once in my life. I thought you went to film school in New York. No, 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 no. I went to film school in Maine. I just went to New York just for the hell of it. Oh, and, God, I bet uh, that was beautiful. You've lived oh, such a story. I was 18. I walked around Times Square. They served me drinks at a comedy club in New York. I was 18. I'd seen That's Swingers, cool. and I ordered a, uh, a Doers on the Rocks. And well, uh, they, they brought <laughs> they probably, it to me. Well, they probably were like, no 18-year-old would order a Doers on the Rocks. Yeah, what 18 year old? But when I was 18, I looked 15, so I, I don't know what they were thinking. I think they just, it was dark in there. They didn't care. I was seeing Jim Brewer. You remember Goat Boy from SNL? Yes, I'm not a Jim Brewer fan, but yes. Yeah, he was playing there. I saw him and uh, got cool. shit faced and then walked out of a comedy club in uh, in Manhattan with a little buzz. Man, we should talk more. <laughs> uh, you, you got a story. I mean, we've been friends 15 years and we heard the story. You're talking about the way they shot this movie, that they had to do it on a budget. I guess I Googled it, and it's $35,000, right? Yes, but when you told me that, uh, I have to say, it was not, it, I don't believe it was 35000 at one time. They started with several thousand dollars. They would, according to what I read, they would shoot for a while, compile their footage, and then use that to show people to get them to give them more money. They'd be like, look what we're working on. And, then and they, they get shot it on 16 millimeter. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because, like, at the start of the movie, when he's getting that hotel room, he pulls out that wad of cash, which gets that old man all uh, horny. And uh, that's, you know, probably tops, you know, $3,000 or something. I didn't count it. But... Everything I've seen online says that that money was not a prop. That was actually the budget of the movie. It was the director's life savings, and that was it. It was just a few thousand dollars in that wad. So it wasn't fake money. It was real money, and that's what they had at first. It was that he, he, the director has said several times, that was the whole budget of the movie. As but you were watching time, this movie, did you ever think there's something wrong with the people who made this movie? Like, maybe I shouldn't watch this because I don't, I don't think the minds that came up with this movie were... We're okay. I think they needed some help. There were times when I was watching this movie that I had second thoughts about you because you I, picked it. I didn't know anything about this movie going in other than I had seen the box, seen the thumbnail on the streaming services, but I knew nothing about the movie. I would have rather watched an actual thumbnail for two hours. Oh, come on. It picks up after the second half. You'll always remember watching Basket Case. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to forget, but I won't be able to. All right, so let's move on. Like, what? So he gets the hotel room, right? And we still don't know what's in the basket. We don't know. I mean, we know because we've seen the thumbnail. We can assume there's a monster in the basket, but nobody else knows. And there's a padlock on the whisker ba- wicker. Oh yeah, wicker basket. <laughs> let's. You know what? Fuck it. Let's make our own choices here. Let's call it a whisker basket for the rest of the podcast. There's a padlock on the whisker basket. <laughs> he checks into the hotel. He pays his twenty dollars, which I gotta pay up front before right. you get the room. And then he goes and checks into his seedy hotel room. And uh, it reminded me of Tom Hanks in Big checking into that crappy hotel room. Oh, man. That might, that might have even been the same hotel room. It really was like that. 
uh, do you, uh, and then he leaves, like, and remember when he's on the street, and he gets approached by, I mean, I'm going to guess the most prolific drug dealer in New York, who lists I got every, dust. I got heroin, <laughs> every drug you can possibly imagine, PCP. and like a salesman, I mean, like, he is nailing it, it is, it is damn near a rap song, it is perfect. But the guy doesn't want any drugs, I think the guy gets mad when he doesn't want to buy any drugs from him, he's like, what, no, ah, fuck you. Well, yeah, I mean, it's his business, man. And you're right, that kid's hair is amazing. It really is. And mm-hmm. it, it's crazy that the most amazing hair in the entire movie was real hair, and all the other bad hair was, were wigs. His Dude, should that, have been a wig, and the hair that should have been real were wigs. That wig, that girl. So let's get there. He, he's in New York for a reason. To kill. <laughs> he and his brother are there to kill. Well, I guess we don't know it's his brother yet, do we? We just know that it's a boy with a basket who's there and... He's yeah, he's just, uh, he's just a, <laughs> a kid in New York with a dream and a whisker basket. <laughs> That's all we know. Uh, yeah, checks into the hotel. He drops his big fat bankroll. Oh, on the way in, there's a who, presumably a, a prostitute checking in with another guy going into a room. She's my favorite actor in the whole movie, by the way. The prostitute. She's, she's the best. I got to tell you, I guess I wasn't 100% that she was a prostitute. That's how innocent I am. I just thought she was just a, you know, a fun, fun lady of the night. But then I was like, oh, wait, lady of the night is a euphemism for prostitute. No, I yeah, mean, she she's was, winking. She was, she's saying like, hey, honey, and stuff like that. Yeah, she was like... Uh, Poor man's Pam Greer, but not like action wise. Just like she was saucy and she was. I liked her. She was great. Casey I, I, was that her name? Casey? I can't remember. Sure, I should write down character names. I take notes, but you know, and, and I had, believe it or not, got four pages of notes on this. They're small pages, but literally, you wrote down four pages on basket. Excuse me, well, whisker basket. <laughs> that's. Let's let's petition the Museum of Modern Art and see if we can get them to rename this Whisker Basket. <laughs> uh, yeah, I took. I mean, they're 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 small pages, I'll say, and I, I write big, I guess. But uh, yeah, so he leaves that hotel, right? I think goes to a, a doctor's office, a waiting he room. Go, he walks go, in. There's a lady already in there with the Whisker Basket. He takes. She's complaining about getting uh, the wrong drugs, the wrong medication. She's really upset about that. And then we see this uh, receptionist, who I guess turns out to be a nurse, and he's talking about saying, oh, yeah, I know this doctor, Dr. Needleman. Was that it? Dr. Yeah, Needledick? Something like that. Needleman, because the other doctor that was involved has some other similar name. It's like Dr. Cutter and Dr. Needleman or something. I he claims to be an old friend, and she gets him in uh, pretty quickly. He's going to be the very next appointment. And we go in, and we see this doctor. Has a mustache, real or fake? I don't know. Uh, I don't know that. This is the doctor. Remind me. This is the doctor that has the thing of stamps on his desk, like you know, like the stamps that you would like literally stamp on it, like an ink stamp. You'd stamp on a piece of paper that said "paid" or whatever. And a whole rack of them. Is that this guy? And a Rolodex, <laughs> a big well, dusty brown Rolodex that. Looks like it's a hundred years old. He's got a mustache, glasses. Is he supposed to be having a, a southern accent? He's a southern doctor practicing in New York City. Is he? It sounded like he was trying to put on a southern accent. 
Man, I just went to Wikipedia to like kind of refresh my brain. You know when you go to Wikipedia and you type on plot and you're like, oh God, I shouldn't. Have, I accidentally hit plot, and then it unfolds the thing, and it's like the damn thing's like five pages long, gives you the whole movie. This is two paragraphs. That's all you so, need. So this is not helping me. This is not helping me at all. But uh, yeah, so he sees that doctor. But I mean, you skipped right past. I don't think she's a nurse. I think she's just the receptionist. But at some sk- point, they say nurse. I think. Oh god. Maybe okay. I dreamed that up, but I'm pretty sure I heard nurse somewhere. But this is the girl with the wig. Yes, this is the girl with the bad sort of blonde wig. Like uh, the worst wig. In the history of theatrical wigs. Why did I mean, she need a wig? What was going on underneath there that they, they made the choice to put a wig on her? How bad was her hair? What did her hair look like? Did she have a mohawk? Was she you a, a weird know I looked kid? that up. You know I looked that up. Literally? You looked that up? Of course I looked that up. You don't oh, see a wig that bad I know. and not we, Google it. I, I got it. No. I got you the answer. That actress, the lady who played, well, again, roughly using the word. Being very generous using the word actress. Please but, don't tell uh, me a sad story about how she was in chemo because no. then I'm going to feel bad about making fun of her wig. Nah, she's in a punk band. Her head was shaved. Holy shit, I was pretty close. Yeah, she's in a, She's in real life. She's in a punk band. She, you know, they needed that character to have hair and they're like, ah, screw it. We'll just put this weird looking paper bag thing on her head. And, and they went with it and it worked. Where do you find wigs made out of straw? I don't know, man. That was, I mean, come on. That's worse than a wig you would get at Walmart on Halloween. I mean, that oh, yeah. is that is the worst wig I've ever seen. And they and they put no effort into making it look anything other than the worst wig. They don't try Her to style it. Her wig looked even more fake than the cop's mustache in Sleepaway Camp. I would say that's almost impossible, seeing as how it did look like cardboard that was just glued to his face. But, yeah, man, it was the worst wig. Uh, she wasn't wife, the only one with a bad wig. Wasn't there somebody? I, I'm pretty sure there was a fake mustache and another bad wig in this movie. Uh, well, the prostitutes definitely were in a wig. There's no question there. Um, she I absolutely was wearing a wig. I love her. She was great. So <laughs> we're checked in. He meets the nurse or receptionist with the bad wig. They go in to the doctor's office. I think the doctor already knows something is amiss. He seems suspicious about well, the boy. Well, because like he maybe got he in. recognizes him. Well, he got in there under the guise that he was an old friend. And, I mean, obviously he's not an old friend. And then they're there. They they got the basket, the whisker basket. <laughs> the, the doctor wants to look inside, right? He's like, what's in there? Also, we should point out, this doctor's office looks like a brothel. I mean, it's the dirtiest, grossest, crappiest room you've ever been in it's an absolute piece of shit i wouldn't yeah. go in there it, it looks, looks like, like it a boiler dimmed if i wasn't there to kill him i would absolutely turn around because there's no way i would be there as a patient it's disgusting yeah. yeah if you went there for any ailment whatsoever and saw this doctor's office you would turn around i mean anyone would turn around no one would go in that doctor's office but uh the location scout was he was looking around and he they were like we need a doctor's office and he's like okay how about this condemned mm-hmm basement that used to be a punk rock club i feel like he doesn't kill him then i think he has some interaction with him and then he gets out like he doesn't i don't remember what causes him to leave but he does leave and then he goes to that movie theater with his basket of course his his whisker basket Uh uh-huh sits in his seat starts to fall asleep in the movie 
Right. A and thief. And then a crook, an opportunist, sees yeah. the basket, sees the man falling asleep. At first, I didn't realize that guy was going to be a thief. And so this dude is this kid, Dwayne, is just sitting in the theater. And then the basket is taking up one of the theater seats. And it's a little high. It's like set on the armrest. It's not like down in the seat. And they pan over to who ends up being a thief. But initially, it just looks like this guy is looking over at him like, what the fuck is this guy doing with a whisker basket in the movie theater? But I'm that guy in the movie theater. I'm the guy who can't. I can't enjoy the movie because this guy's got a basket in a seat and it's driving me crazy. And that's what I thought was going on. But actually, he just ends up, he's just waiting for his opportunity to steal it. I mean, if I saw a guy with, with a basket, I wouldn't think anything of it. I would just assume that there's lotion in the basket. It's a whisker basket full of lotion. <laughs> so he's, he's got his whisker basket full of lotion. He's watching the Kung Fu movie. He falls asleep. And then this thief takes the basket Runs out right about that time. Dwayne wakes up, runs down the hallway after the thief, mm-hmm. and I think the the scrotal twin did he do something to the thief? Because the thief runs back, he's bleeding, right? Yeah, he did something to him because like oh he kicks the because uh, he, he kicks ki- the yeah he kicks the lock off. off. Yeah, 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 that's right. Which probably unnecessary. It was a padlock on a whisker basket, so like. That thing, what was that screwed into? Nothing. I mean, that padlock was useless from the very start. But yes, he effortlessly kicks that padlock off of it, and it ends up bad for him. I don't think he gets killed, but he's scared yeah. away. Yeah, he he's hurt. He gives up on stealing the whisker basket, and yeah, then uh, he'll, Dwayne he'll think is twice. able to get his brother and, and head home, right? They head back no, to the hotel? I believe now he goes back to the doctor's office and kills him. This is the doctor's second appearance. He doesn't kill him on that first visit. I don't remember why. And then he goes back. He gets in. It's uh, The doctor's names are Cutter and Needleman, by the way. You were right. And he's looking for, like, an address book. Remember he wants... He needs an oh, address book because okay. he wants it to... It does. It happens later that day. That's right. They yeah. go back at night, don't they? Yeah, they go back at night. And the doctor's still there with all his ridiculous little ink stamps on his desk. And uh, and then he's he's looking for an address book. He's looking for somebody. And he, I believe he does kill that doc. He kills him then. Yes, he's dead this time. And our Dwayne just waits in the alley. I think the, the basket case goes in and does it on his own this time. He might. And I think this is probably the first time we actually see uh, what's in the basket. What's in the basket? What's in the basket? Oh. What's in the basket? What's in the basket? Oh. No. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it is. Uh, it, and so let's talk about what's in the basket, man. What is in that basket? What the hell is that thing? It's a scrotum with arms. It's a scrotum with arms and Netflix. eyes and teeth, and uh, it looks like maybe a cleft palate. Yeah. <laughs> Has sharp teeth, too, because everybody knows all freakish conjoined twins have very sharp teeth like a monster. Right. That was my, my wife. That was her first question. She was like, what's wrong with his teeth? I was like, is that that's really your question? What's wrong with his teeth? Because this thing has so many problems. I mean, what do you think? It's like maybe a foot and a half tall. No legs. Just arms and a head. A screaming head. Not even really a neck, right? No neck. 
No neck. No, he's just a blob. He's just this. The special effect, this thing, whatever this thing is, it's it's a practical effect. You can, you know, it's made from a mold. Obviously, if you understand special effects at all or anything like that, it's made from a mold. They they molded this or they they sculpted this thing out of clay, make a mold, pour in the latex, make a puppet, and you can. And there's always a seam, you know, because a mold is two parts. You can see every seam on this. The, mm-hmm. You can see the seam on the hands. You can see the seam on the arms. They did absolutely no work to make it look as if this thing was actually organic. Yeah, it looks like a uh, a cheap Halloween. You know what, though? I feel bad because he, he did look pretty cool. He looked scary. Yes, you could see the seams, but it was enough to creep me out, especially in the, uh, the sex scene that came later in the movie. Oh, God, let's... Let's hold on for that. I mean, that was that was something else. You're going to want to stay tuned, folks, because it's fucking hot. Don't you think this is a good time for a quick break? Let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsors. Are you a parent? Did you send your kid to summer camp, but instead of roasting marshmallows and bouncing on the lake blob, they got stabbed to death by a lunatic? If so, call me. Blake Roberts, 1-800-555-1212. I've helped hundreds of parents just like you, and if I don't win, you don't pay. So pick up the phone. I can't bring your kid back, but I can make you some money. And who doesn't love money? Money is cool, man. You can use it to buy a jet ski, and jet skis are awesome. It's sad that your kid got knifed to death. I get it. But let's turn that red into some green. Call today. Blake Roberts, attorney at law, 1-800-555-1212. Back to the show. Back to the show. So uh, before the break, we know that scrotum with arms is actually in the uh, basket. So now we get to the romance, and that means we're getting to that kiss, dude. Tell me you don't remember that kiss. Is this the one that happens in front of the uh, Statue of Liberty? (laughs) Yeah, it is that one. It was pretty good. That was a solid kiss. They just start off mouths open, I think, just kind of go towards each other. Uh, just just open mouth to open mouth. No tongue yet. Just kind of, I'm going to touch my open mouth to your open mouth. But then later we get some we get some tongue, man. They, they go Dude, for this it. kiss is gross. He is just smashing his open mouth into her open mouth. Uh-huh. But then as soon as he starts kissing him, uh, Dwayne oh. Bradley, our main guy, he has a freak out. Dwayne has a freak out? Dwayne has a freak out. He can't keep kissing her. And we're like, what's going on with Dwayne? And we cut back to the basket. The basket's shaking. The scrotum is upset. And Dwayne's like, ah, ah, and he runs away. And this is when we, I think this is the first time we find out that Dwayne and his uh, scrotal twin are uh, are connected, you know, uh, telepathically. Yeah, telekinesis. Absolutely. Yeah, telekinesis, that's when you move stuff. Telepathic, that's when you, like, have a connection with your mind right sure i don't know, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm not i didn't go to college i don't know this stuff okay okay um so he does i don't know if it's during the freak out but we're about to see that that scrotum is not stuck in that basket that scrotum can get out of the basket in some of the a most amazing claymation animation since Rudolph's Shiny New Year. We jump into stop motion out of nowhere. 
he gets upset. He jumps out, and we get to see a stop motion, uh, deformed, separated twin run around, and it's pretty good stop motion. It's you pretty solid. Are, you are so kind. That is, that is not even like California raisin raisin level stop motion. That wow. is, that is some of the most offensive creative animation i've ever seen in my life i felt bad (laughs) like inside my body watching it it does kind of pull me out of the movie because it doesn't look like any of the rest of the movie when they jump into stop motion there's no way they were going to make that cohere going from our seamy uh seamy when you can see seams that's what seamy means uh seamy uh rubber foam looking twin then all of a sudden stop motion and the sounds coming out of that that fucking testicle are are god awful (laughs) it's the only it's the only noise it can make did you know okay let's talk about the creature again you you're being very kind about it do you know that's actually his face wait what Dwayne, the actor that played Dwayne. Uh, that's his life cast. That's oh, uh, they molded Dwayne's face. Yeah, because they are twin brothers, as we'll find out, and so it makes sense. I never really saw it. Once I told that to uh, my wife, she did say, "Oh yeah, you know, I, I, I totally see it." I never really saw it, but apparently, yeah, that's him. And he also does all the noises. He voices all that. Okay, all right. Because <laughs> you want this to be congruous. You, what's your you, what's your terrible you want... terrible noises? Terrible noises. It's just. It's just yelling. It's just screaming. I grab my remote. I turn the TV down because he's destroying a hotel room. He's screaming at the top of his lungs. It's it's really, really gnarly sound. He tears that thing apart and, of course, causes uh, Mario, the building super, to come flying up. All Anything happens in this crappy New York. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a hotel. Uh, anything that happens there, every single guest comes out. Every room that is occupied, they come out and stand in the hallway until Mario comes running up the stairs to save the day. Yeah, that's what I do anytime I hear a noise. I come out of my my front door, and I'm like, what's going on? Oh, oh, what in the world is that? And that is what they do. That is what they do. Uh, Man, it is. Oh, wait, they come into the room. It's ransacked. One of the tenants sees the wad of cash on the bed. Yes, Everybody goes back into their rooms, and then after everybody's gone, he comes and he sneaks into the room to steal the wad of cash, at which point the the basket case murders him. Yeah, uh, chases him to his own room, right? That's right. No, attacks him. Attacks him. He's on him. While he's attacking him, they he, they he runs back to his stumble room. into his own room. Yes. If I'm gonna get killed by a scrotal twin, I want to die in my own <laughs> I room. I want to do it at home. Yeah, uh, which he does. And during that attack scene, uh, so this is what third death. During that attack scene, you can very very clearly see the arm of the puppeteer. Oh shit! I didn't even notice that. You can see the guy's arm. Yeah, they raise into the frame too much, and you can actually see the forearm of the guy operating the puppet. Which must uh, have been the director. I, I think the director was yep. the, anytime you see the arm, it's the director. <laughs> I read, you know, latex shrinks. Like latex uh, props, they shrink over time. Latex will shrink and degrade or whatever. And apparently it took long enough to film this movie that, yes, the director was always the hand when you see the 
the scrotum's hand or any of the puppeting, like actually in the face, it's the director doing it. But at some point, the latex had shrunk so much, he couldn't do it. And so from that point on in the movie, it's his eight-year-old daughter doing it. His name is uh, Frank Kennenlauter. And he's done more than you'd think, man. And some of it fairly recently. I mean, I have a... Let's see. Let's look at his. He's direct. According to IMDb, he's directed 13 things. The most recent being in 2018. Uh, we should point out he also did Basket Case Two and Basket Case Three, and Walt Disney's Basket Race, and which again is just a, a triumph compared <laughs> to this film. God, when I watched Basket Race with my family, you know, we ordered pizza, we sat there, and. It was like an hour and a half smile. We all oh, felt I better mean, about everything. There's nothing the Rock can't do. You Who know? would have thought that that the little the little Yorkie was going to come in and save the day? Oh, I don't know. You don't think they telegraphed that? I mean, there were hints at it, but God, it was adorable. I'm shocked that it took me that long to recognize that the voice the voice of the Yorkie was Gilbert Godfrey. You think that would jump right out at me? It did. Yeah. It didn't. Uh, he he pulled it off, man. Well, you know, all of the different uh, hot air balloons had sponsors, and and the the main the main one said Aflac on it. Biggest <sighs> day. I don't know how you didn't get clued into that. Uh, so in your in your scenario, this is an old movie where Aflac didn't fire Gilbert Gottfried for making a tasteless tsunami joke. I don't want to get Gilbert Gottfried. I don't want to lose our contract with Werewolf Energy Drink. <laughs> man werewolf energy drink that stuff is good i should have had one before tonight but i didn't they're expensive <laughs> what was what was that voice they're expensive we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about a fake stupid energy drink we made a commercial for and uh whoa whoa I, whoa our sponsors aren't fake don't say the sponsors are fake no, all I'm the sorry. sponsors are real listeners dear listeners all the okay. sponsors are real okay well what I meant to say was that very real energy drink uh, <laughs> in my mind is so expensive that I <laughs> I raised two octaves. They're expensive. Uh, okay, so uh, I think I'm a little lost as to where we are because we digressed for about 45 minutes there. Um, the next plan is to go track down the... Uh, the other doctor, the only lady doctor of the three doctors who performed the surgery. I'm not sure. Are we in flashback territory yet? I do they feel, do the flashback before her? I feel like we ought to just get in to the flashback because... Oh, well, no, wait. Wait, no, we're not there yet because that room is torn the fuck apart. And now that amazing amazing most amazing of the nypd detectives gets called in to investigate oh that's right and he's so tall he can barely get under the door the door yes. frame. Uh-huh. and he comes in and that that actor that is proof like i've i've never had to make a feature film but that guy's proof that you can have dozens of actors you know i mean obviously there were a lot of people in this movie they had quite a cast and they're in New York. You know, there's those hungry, starved actors that would do anything for a role. 
And he's proof you can have dozens of actors and just not find a good one. <laughs> he was he was the most pitiful cop. I mean, I, I mean, it was it was like watching your buddy like saying, you know, like you're a professional, you know, whatever. And, you know, somebody's coming in to some big director is going to come in and be like, oh, God, you know, we got to get the show on. But, you know, Johnny's not here. Here, you from the street, come in here and play the role. That's what this guy was. This guy And even if he was a great actor, he didn't have the best lines to work with. It was it was pretty cardboard writing. (laughs) Are you from here? Will you be staying here longer? That's exactly what it was. It was like they found some police interrogation form. And uh, that guy just literally read the questions to the police report. It was so bad. He, that, I mean, I'm sure that that actor still thinks about this to this day. I'm sure he wakes up every morning and was like, man, I really blew it. This was my chance and I blew it. And he buys, I don't think he really suspects Dwayne. I think he comes in and he's like, eh, your story checks out. This seems good. I'm out of here. I'm sure there was, I mean, I don't remember it, but absolutely. If this guy said one word, I'm sure he said, you know, just don't leave town. Because, I mean, like it was just every, like, crap cop line you could write. They wrote it for this poor bastard. And he couldn't deliver even a one of them. He and, and Dwayne says, I, you know, I'm staying here a few days. And uh, he's got an alibi. He says, yeah, I, uh, no, there's somebody that can corroborate my story that uh, you know i wasn't in here when it happened and And, uh, the cop leaves we should point out because i am looking at my notes here we don't know that this weird ball sack is Dwayne's brother yet we're about to find that out but before we do let's take a break what's wrong cynthia my brother jimmy was murdered by an axe killer while he was at summer camp again cops say one of the kids from welcome back cotter dug up the killer or he got struck by lightning or something and came back to life. Well, gosh, that's awful. What are you going to do? I don't know. My dad said he might hire a lawyer. You think we've got a case? <laughs> no need, you sapien fools. A lawyer can't bring your friend back to life, but I can. Whoa, what, what the, the hell, hell are you? you? They call me the Keeper of Souls. And if your friend was butchered at a summer camp, I can help. Why gamble on high-priced lawyers with no guarantee of results? I get results, guaranteed. And all I ask in return is... Your immortal soul! All right. So call me today at 1-800-555... Your immortal soul! That's too many numbers. No, it's not, Jimmy. Jimmy, you're you're back. back. That's right. And now I want to play with you. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Stop it! Stop it! Ah! <laughs> oh, now. Not responsible for zombie-like behavior by the newly undead. We're back with our review of uh, "He's My Brother, Taint My Balls." Huh? Great movie, great huh? film, a real classic. <laughs> uh, so. Now is where we're going to learn, right? We're going to learn. We're going to get some backstory. We're going to find out what Mm -hmm. the hell is going on with this boy and this scrotum he keeps in his whisker basket, his padlocked whisker basket. (laughs) 
And he's left the, well, I think, no, maybe he hasn't. I think he takes the whisker basket with him to a bar, right? He does. Yeah, that's right. He goes out and gets shit-faced. With And Casey's there, the prostitute, who I love. I think she's wonderful. I wish I knew her. I want to spend time with her. She is a, she's a doll. She's a gem, Casey is. Hook her with a heart of gold. She's fantastic. She's really sweet. She actually cares a little bit about Dwayne. They start drinking together. They have a night, uh, and they're getting shit-faced and laughing it up, and then she asks about the basket. They're sitting in a booth in this uh, dirty bar, and she's like, so what's up with the basket? (laughs) At which point it takes a dark turn because he actually, he's shit-faced enough that he just comes out with it. He tells her everything, And, and he does so through the most obnoxious fake laughter Ever. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> it's my conjoined twin brother. We were separated at birth. <laughs> yeah, he's shit-faced and insane. Casey's getting a little bit scared because why wouldn't she? Because holy shit, that's fucking scary. Yeah, he is, I mean, like, he is batshit ass laughing his head off. And I don't know if the direction... And again, I use that loosely. I, I uh, loosely. I don't know what the. I don't know that there was much direction in this movie, but I don't know if it's spo- he's supposed to be a, uh, making you think he's drunk and that's why he's laughing, or he's just a little crazy, or I don't know. But no he's one is losing it. He's finally found maybe, a friend in Casey, maybe. and you know he coughs it all up. He needs a friend. He's got a shitty life. All he does with his brother is check into shitty hotel rooms. And kill people. And feed him hamburgers, not still in their wrapper, and hot dogs. Oh, my God. We haven't even talked about feeding him. Because when you're a conjoined twin who's been cut apart and left in a basket to live, you have a ravenous appetite for, I think he doesn't even give him the buns. He just takes the patties off of the burgers, feeds him those, the basket shakes. That was just the first one. The rest of them he just throws in still in their wrapper package of hot dogs he drops those no. in <laughs> and at one point he buys his uh his testicle brother a, a television which the testicle brother promptly Sits it on destroys. The, uh, the tv next to him reaches up tries to change the channel and god because of his crazy uh testicular strength just breaks the handle off breaks off the knob he's a I mean, I, that is worth noting. He's a strong set of balls. because Why is he so strong? I don't know. He has no legs, but he can leap everywhere. His mode of transportation, except when we're in claymation, and he just oddly and very upsettingly drags himself across the floor. When he attacks, he leaps on you without the use of legs or feet at, of any sort. And then makes his way back to the island of misfit toys. Oh. Yeah, this one, you know, all those misfit toys, I always felt bad for them, but if this one was on there, I'd be like, I get it, you know, I get it, I know what you're doing. Hey, let's break off a piece of glacier and just let that one flow. Yeah, that, that one, yeah, absolutely, let's let that one go. That one was, uh, we we get it, we, we know exactly why the kid sent this back, because the kid already had testicles. They're uh, shit-faced at the bar, he's confessed everything to Casey the hooker, she helps him back to the hotel. She's like, are you sure you're okay? Takes him to the door of his room. They open the door, and he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine. (laughs) And then she leaves. No, no, she ends up helping him to the bed, 
he lays down, and then I guess through uh, telepathy, the twin is like, hey, fucker, you left me out in the hallway because mm-hmm. he was so shitty drunk, he's falling down, he can't move. But then when the the brother, the, the deformed brother, reminds him he's in the hallway, bam, his eyes open, he walks outside, grabs his basket, goes back into bed. But we don't, we're not even talking about... He, he, while telling the hook over the heart of gold, his, his story, uh, he flashes back. We go to a flashback where apparently there was, they did not have access to a microphone that wasn't just the one that was on the camera. Uh, because in this flashback scene, no one is mic'd. There is no boom mic. It sounds terrible. But this is where we learn that this scrotum in the whisker basket is none other than his conjoined twin Belial 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 which is the devil right oh I don't know is that right I think that's some kind of satanic name I'd have to look it up but I know I've heard that before and I want to say it's look the it name of a, of a demon or the devil and I'm going to look it up I'm going to before I hit send on this I'm going to say you're wrong and that when I hit send, all it's going to pull up is basket case stuff. But if you're right, you're right. First thing, and that- they're in the 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 house. It's the dad. He's meeting with three, maybe doctors. I think two doctors and a vet. Um, and they're like, "Well, we can't do this. There's nothing we do." And he's like, "Ah, get rid of him. We've got to do something." So what if the deformed twin dies when you separate him? He's an abomination. Yeah, the and dad's the, the worst. And I, th- I guess the mom, the mom died during childbirth. I don't Must remember have. if I read that or if we find that out in the actual movie. Uh, and they decide to do the surgery, which I think they do at the house. Yeah, they do it in the dining room with a, a couple of notes here. The worst Foley work of any movie ever. There's so much over-the-top Foley work in this movie. I think as they the Foley guy was doing the movie, he was getting more and more bored and just started adding more sound to everything. Like, there's one scene where they cut back to the sign at the hotel, and there's these really unnatural-sounding, buzzing electric sounds. The Foley guys went crazy with this one. Oh, that reminds me. The basement scene where the dad comes down, he's barefoot, Foley put in clock, clock, clock shoes. Oh, did they? Yeah, he's walking down the stairs. He's barefoot. But once he's down in the basement, every step he takes is the click clack of fucking clogs. Ah, oh, that sounds amazing. And yeah, and not only is he barefoot, you know, my one of my wife's big fears is, you know, like stepping on a nail or something. And she said out loud, oh, please don't step on a nail. And I had the exact same thought because I just yeah. watched A Quiet Place a few weeks ago. Oh, and I was like, God, there's gonna be a nail on the stairs yeah and and sure enough he steps on a nail but not like you think it's just a nail laying on its side yeah it hurts like a lego but it doesn't go into his foot right right but this is when he is so i mean we we are stepping out ahead i mean that foley is when they are cutting his brother off of his side and it's sounds this it sounds nothing like i mean like look I don't know what it sounds like when you cut it's my scalpel twin brother into off my skin. side. I'm pretty sure that the sound they used was somebody ripping, you know, duct tape. Yes, it was horrible. 
it was too loud, it was poorly done, it didn't match what was actually happening. Like, there weren't, it wasn't like, like when you were a kid and you watched how do they make movies you would look and they would say you know there'd be some guy like hitting a a thing of meat while he watched a a big screen and a guy's punching some dude's face nothing matched nothing matched the noises were just there they weren't matching any kind of action they were terrible sharp scalpel going into soft tender human skin and the sound Mm -hmm. of somebody pulling duct tape from a roll of duct tape yeah, it was it was just like obnoxious. It was just absolutely obnoxious. It was and it was gross. I mean, it made you uncomfortable. This whole movie made me uncomfortable. This movie made me feel bad about every decision I've ever made in my life somehow. It I was, thought watching Basket Case was going to turn me into a literal basket case. I mean, seriously. No, wait, a figurative basket case. Not literally I was going to turn into a whisker basket, but that I was going to lose my mind from watching this movie. <laughs> I just I just would have loved if we couldn't record the second episode of our podcast because your your girlfriend had to call me and say, Listen, you're not gonna believe this. Micah turned into a whisker basket. And that's I'd have to say, What's a whisker basket? And now I'd know. Uh oh and so, not, not to, also we should mention they had to jack that fucking scrotal twin with so much uh uh sedative because he just wouldn't calm down i think they jab him three four times to get them to finally pass out so they can Mm -hmm. cut him apart yeah which they do and then what they toss him in a trash bag right toss him out the window in the dumpster don't they yeah that's what you do when you cut off a conjoined twin you just throw it in a in a fucking trash bag and you you put it out with the uh the rest of the trash at and the again, side of the house. I want, I mean, I, I say again, I don't know that I mentioned this. We, we got to point out, when we say conjoined twin, this is not a like a, a conjoined twin situation. This is a second face and set of arms on this guy's like rib cage. Right on his side, he has a, a head growing out of him with arms, a cleft palate, sharp teeth, and really weird dead eyes. That only screams which later light up for no reason yeah did that mean something were we supposed to get something out of that did they like get an extra 15 bucks in the budget and they're like you know we can light this thing's eyes up uh because it the the eyes like you said they're dead they do not move they're not they're I, i don't even get the impression that they're necessarily a separate piece of the puppet i'd have to look it up it might when they be... first light up, is it during the sex scene? Maybe sex makes uh, it's right around that. eyes light up. Makes my eyes light up. I'm not even a scrotal twin. So yeah, they they toss that fucking thing right in the trash, and then uh, Dwayne goes and gets him, and that is when they, and I say they. What help could the scrotal twin have been in making that device where they put? the inordinately large buzzsaw blade on a precariously placed, I'm still going to go with wheelbarrow. Wheelbarrow, a wagon. Something, right? And it just comes down this like incline and saws the fucking dad right clean in half. Right in half. You see his feet? half. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. It goes down and then you see... One leg fall to the left and one leg fall to the right because uh, uh, presumably it has cut this fucker right in half. 
I mean, this might be one of the worst movies I've ever watched in my life. And and I did not enjoy watching it. And there weren't points where I was like, you know what? I'm glad we were watching this. I was wrong at first. This really has merit. I never got there. But go on. I, I, I digress. I felt like that for the first half. And then the second half, when after I'd had a snack, I'd been like, okay, we're going to do this. Went back and watched it. I was glad I watched it because there's nothing else like it. I'll give it that. <laughs> That's it's one of a kind. There's no question. So the dad, the, the way they do lure the dad, by the way, into the basement is they turn their sock contraption on and off. So the dad just hears these big, loud sawing noises like loud ridiculous. as fuck. Like, yeah, they ridiculous. They're in a giant basement, which you have to go around at least five or six corners to get to this contraption. Mm-hmm. But he can hear it like it's right next to him. And and then. Even it's like a brick or stone basement. The walls are brick and stone. The ceiling's brick and stone. But somehow he can hear it like it's right next to his head, uh, whatever they're doing down there. So he has to go inspect in his bare feet, goes down the stairs. And then once he's on the floor, we hear the click clacking of apparently the father (laughs) was wearing wooden shoes. Maybe the Foley guy forgot he was barefoot. Uh. That's wonderful. What a th- what a thing to catch. I did not catch that. I wish I really wish I would have seen that. And I I love that you refer to it as the clicking and clacking of bare feet. <laughs> like bare feet too. Uh so yeah, yeah he's he, got no shoes on. He goes down the stairs cuz remember we're worried about him stepping on a nail and then he steps on oh, yeah. the nail once he gets down there, but as he's walking through the basement <laughs> little Dutch wooden shoes he's, he's wearing. A, he's a little Pinocchio, and he's also and he's horrible, by the way. I mean, like, where he, this is the one guy where it's like, yeah, I saw that dude in half. He's he's a real sob. He's a he's a bad dude. He he wants to cut the he's forcing these doctors or whatever. These doctors are totally in. They're not on the up and up again. They're doing surgery in the dining room of the house, and they're just drugging these two. You know, a face, a scrotum face, and then and then the guy the scrotum face is connected to. They're drugging them so that they can just, I mean, damn near literally rip the thing off of him, put it in a trash bag, and throw it in the trash. So, oh, and the, oh, by the way, the surgery. Okay, they just they scalpel, they saw through the twin, they remove them, and when they lift him up off the body, no blood dripping. Were to believe he was bloodless. Man, no blood is, comes out of that, the, the uh, scroll twin when they lift him up. You had a you had a gripe about that in uh, sleepaway camp. The shower if, killing, yeah. If there, there no should be the if there should be blood, you want to see it. It's a gaping wound, and there's no blood dripping out of him. And so we go, <laughs> we go, and the dad's dead, and uh, and then I think we're back in present time. We're done with the flashback. Is that right? Oh, no, no, there's the aunt that comes in who's like, they're hiding upstairs in the attic or a top room, and this aunt comes in, and she's like, I know about everything. I know what you've been through. I'm not going to tell anyone. I convinced the cops that he died by accident. (laughs) That's what she said. I convinced them it was an accident. She convinced the cops that this man, this barefoot man in this basement was sawn in half by accident. Oops. Like you things happen. It's I mean, you know. And I assume if if the cops there were paying 
you know, nearly as much due diligence as the cop who originally showed up at the uh, the hotel room earlier. If they if they were going through that level of due diligence, then it's not surprising that they were like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that. that checks, lady, that tracks. We are back though, where you said where the whole deal. He gets carried back to the hotel room by the hooker, wakes up telepathically, and uh, you know it, his brother is like, oh, wait, you left me in the hallway. We don't hear that, but he goes and gets him. And I got to be honest, I didn't take another note on this movie. There's only 20 minutes left of this movie at this point. That's when I took my first break. And uh, we're an hour and 20 minutes-ish into this podcast, and I'm not sure the movie's that long. Hang on, hang on. I found I found Belial. Belial is a term occurring in the Hebrew Bible, which later became personified as the devil in Jewish and Christian texts. So what you're saying was I was derelict in my Googling, and you were right. Yeah, it looks like it was an old Jewish name for a devil. So, okay, so we've done the flashback. I think this is when we're back in the present, and they're going after the third and final doctor who was uh, one of the surgeons who turns out uh, is, is a vet. She's not even a doctor, right? She might be, she's also a terrible actress, I will point out. And no offense, I know we always say, oh, people are terrible actors or whatever. And at this point, we've had 10 listens to our podcast. So, you know, we're not going out to a, a, a huge, massive audience yet. But that doesn't mean this thing won't take off in a year or something. I think we'll we have should thousands, lie. thousands of I think we should say it's well, 10 what, million. Okay, well, it'll be, oh, you say we lie now. Lie now. We say it's 10 million pretend now. Pretend to be bigger than okay. we are. That way, people are like, gotcha. oh, we got to listen to that very, very popular show, Slasher I Hardly Know Her, trademark copyright 2021. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, each episode I'll like kind of exponentially. We're already increase. lying that you're a guest. We're lying that our sponsors are real. We should also lie about our listenership and the numbers. Fair. Let's inflate I, everything. That said, though, I don't think anyone listening to this actually thinks I'm a guest. And uh, also, I do not think that they believe the commercials are real. So I'm going to say that the the listener thing, that that's a, just a real lie. I'm going to bet that's that just, that one listener we have in Ireland Googled werewolf energy drink to see if he could find some at his local <laughs> convenience store. That's actually probably how he found the podcast. <laughs> He just Googled werewolf energy drink. It took him right here, and uh, boom, here we are. Because it actually is in the title, isn't it? It's in the title of the first episode. It is. Yeah, it's in the copy there. You know, let's get back into this this masterpiece of art horror known as Basket Case. When he goes to the vet office, does he say he's got his basket with him? I'm trying to remember what he says is in the basket. Is it a cat? He says cat. All right, yeah. he's got a cat, cat in the basket. They finally get back. They've got their their uh, their exam room. They're back there, and she's like, blah, 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 cat. And he's like, it's not a cat in the basket. He's finally in on it this time. He seems a little bit sinister for once, where he's like, it's not a cat. And then he goes to open the basket. Yeah. And he's, I mean, like, you're absolutely right. He is sinister at this point. He's acting sinister. And, I mean, you know, it kind of... Uh, I don't know. It, that I think that's one of the things of Dwayne is he's not a murderer. He's not a killer. But 
he is in New York seeking revenge. But he he's not down for the scrotum to kill anyone else. He's not down for the scrotum to wreck the hotel room. Like, he is upset about those things. But when it comes to the doctors, he is, Dwayne and the scrotum are of one mind. They're of one ball. They're there to kill. And in this case, when he does talk to that doctor, he's, I mean, like, I'd say he's pretty stoked about the of what's going to happen now. She, we hate her more than any of the other doctors. That's That's he, what we're feeling. Because everything else has kind of been like the uh, the deformed twin, Belial, is kind of the uh, the guy in charge. But this killing, it seems like they both want it. Yeah, they're excited. They, they've hit the, this is the head of the snake, man. They're like, they're there. They're going to kill And how do they her. kill him? He, they open the basket. It comes out. And yeah. And it then attacks he... her. It's on her face. She's going to defend herself. She opens the drawer. It's full of scalpels. <laughs> Dude, dude, it's not full of scalpels. Here's what it is. This this bothered me because they really hold on this shot for a while. She pulls open that uh, drawer, right? And it's full of, like, just loose scalpels and, uh, like, uh, hemostats, like those little clipper things, like the little, I don't know, what they look like scissors, but they're actually, like, you know, clamps. Yep, yep. Uh, and I mean, like, fucking full of them. There's like a zillion in there. Some you can't of it's, have too many, right? But it's some of it's scalpels, some of it's clamps, some of it's this, right? And as opposed to grabbing any of those things, which would have been fine weapons, all of those things she could have stabbed this thing with, right? But she just keeps feeling in the drawer until she, while the whole time being viciously attacked by a ball sack with arms she is just feeling and feeling until she's like okay yeah it's a scalpel right where's my favorite scalpel oh that won't do no this one's not good enough i need my favorite scalpel and then she drops it and so she then it continues to attack her she then goes back to the drawer that she is not looking in she's feeling and feels around again for a long time i mean like it felt like a good 15 seconds that she continues to feel like, all right, where's another scalpel? I mean, uh, you've seen hemostats. They're like they're like scissors. They would stab you. If I stabbed you in the neck with hemostats right now, I promise you you would stop podcasting. Right now, you'd be like, <laughs> show's over. I mean, like, there would be no more. We would stop being friends as soon as I did that. And if I did it with a scalpel, same reaction. It's not any better. So she could have grabbed literally anything in the drawer. It would have been fine. She decided to get to really feel it out until she got a scalpel. She got her favorite scalpel. She drops that. She fills around for 15 to 20 minutes. And then she's like, oh, here's my second favorite scalpel. I'll try that. And then I'm a little bit fuzzy on what happened after that. Does she actually get any stabbing into the to the scrotal twin? You know, she might have she might have stabbed him. I don't remember, but he very quickly takes her down in the fashion of which he does. Like we kind of cut away. Now the director's hand is in the puppet hand, and he like does. I mean, like this is like his favorite shot. He like grabs her fingers in mouth, hand on jaw. And I thought they were gonna rip the jaw off. I was I really too. hoping that was gonna happen. I, they, I, it's probably what was in the script, and they just didn't have the budget. This was one of the most upsetting scenes for me is they're attacking the vet 
that awful woman, she's grabbed her scalpels, and then her two uh, assistants or techs are banging on the door trying to get in. They open it, and that's when the big reveal is there she is, Dr. Nutso, with a face full of scalpels screaming at the camera for an uncomfortable amount of time. Just That, That actress went for it. She went for it. She did. And that was, I forgot about that. She has like what, like, a baker's dozen of scalpels in her yeah, face. Yeah, easily. Hey, that's it's. You went with baker's dozen. I went with ten. Baker's dozen is what? Eleven? No, 13. baker's dozen is thirteen. Yeah. Damn it! I feel like such an idiot. You seem like such an idiot, ladies I, and gentlemen. Our special guest today, <laughs> Alex the idiot. <laughs> so so fucking ashamed. Uh, <laughs> So yes, uh, yeah, that's right. I'm so glad you you remembered that. That scene yeah. bothered me. It went on forever, and it's just the lady looking. She's I don't think she's looking into the camera. I can't remember. She might. Well, have been, or she's looking, looking near it. in the general direction of the camera, screaming, and she's and just, just screaming with scalpels in her face. And then I guess she dies after that. But anyway. we'll assume she dies. Uh, okay. So now now it's time to get to the hotel room where Bad Wig Girl is going to bone Great Hair Boy, yes. and. Uh, and she's into it. My wife pointed this out. Uh, she pointed out that it was a nice change because Bad Wig Girl was into it. In all these movies, these guys are always like, "Come on, come on, you know, please, what, you know, what, what's the big deal, you know?" And they're always coercing these women, especially Sleepaway Camp last week. Uh, just you know, it's constant coercion. Uh, and in this movie. She was into it. She was like, Sharon, yeah, I, uh, did the cops come and question her? And then she comes to the hotel. They're on the stairs. And she's saying, like, all I wanted was to be with you. That's all I could think about was you. And I want to be with you. And yeah. Then, I don't remember if she was questioned by the cops. But, yeah, she's. They I make mean, their I, way I, up I, to their hotel room. Yeah, his hotel room. And his brother I freaks vividly out. remember that. Yes. Uh, do you want to insert a commercial here? Absolutely. Let's cut to commercial, folks. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. <sighs> What's the matter? Don't have your mojo today? Uh-uh. Well, I think I've got something for you. You do? Yeah. Try this. <laughs> Werewolf energy drink. Unleash the beast. May cause. Okay, definitely causes diarrhea. Carol, you're late again. I know, I'm sorry. My alarm went off, but my husband turned it off and we fell back asleep. You know what? You need to try Alarm Trocution. Alarm Trocution? I use it with my wife. You hook these little diodes up to your partner and in the morning, they'll get a shot. And I promise you, they won't turn off the alarm and you'll be wide awake. Okay, I'll give it a try. One week later. Carol, you're back from vacation. How was it? And I see you're right on time. Vacation? I've been mourning the death of my husband. Alarm trocution killed him. But I bet you didn't fall back asleep, did you? Bill, the police are investigating this as a homicide. I thought you used this with your wife. I did, and now I have a beautiful girlfriend. You mean your wife is dead? Alarm trocution! Bat and Bindi. And now back to the show. All right, well, uh, you... You're the host, so take it away. Also, like I said, I, I've taken, I took no notes for the last 20 minutes, and really, that's where all the action is. I, I, I should have. 
I think that we have yet to get to one of the weirdest scenes, which is, okay, we talked about Dwayne and Sharon. They're in the hallway. They, they <laughs> fall back into the hotel room. They're about to get it on. I can't remember why they stopped. Does the brother start to freak out? Does she yeah, aware dude. of the brother in the basket? Dude, the brother starts, the, the scrotum in the basket starts to freak out and then pops out and she sees it. And of course is, you know, pretty reasonably like, what the fuck is that? And she's screaming and Dwayne is just holding her down on the bed and oh, having that's this. right. He won't let this, her go. He won't let her go. And he's had that like intense, like uh, break with reality look on his face. Maybe the only good acting that guy did in his this brother's episode doing is something that shot. to his head. Uh, I think that's why. And then oh. he wraps her in a blanket and throws her out in the hallway. Right, but I think he's trying to protect her by doing that. And yeah. so, like, she's screaming. She's like, let me go, let me go, let me go. He throws her out in the hallway. What does she do? She, she starts banging on the door going, let me in, let me in, let me in. It was it was like, oh, it was so fucking ridiculous. I, you know, uh, I think that's a great, great analogy or metaphor. I'm not sure what the right word is for most people in a relationship. When you're in it, you want out. When you're out, you want back in. Wait, 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 wait. Did we skip over the uh, the scene with Casey? Because at some point she goes back into her room. She undresses. She oh, puts on her nightshirt. She this lays part, down. Yeah, her uh, smiley face theme room. Yeah. Uh, clothing. Everything in a room is smiley face theme. Isn't that like an odd direction that they took? And then does Belial come and see her in her room? Yeah. She freaks out. This is before yeah, uh, the fever dream and the thing with Sharon, either, right? Yeah, I think you're right. He either hides in the toilet or comes through the toilet. I wasn't, I don't really remember. He does end up in the toilet at some point. Yeah. Uh, she and, gets out. She leaves. She doesn't die, right? Casey doesn't get killed, does she? No, she bail like, it attacks her or whatever. And then, or at least she sees it. She pulls, she runs out of the room screaming. And then, uh, as is the case with this movie, everyone in the hotel comes into the hallway. And what then the poor, hell's going on? Right. And then poor Mario has to leave his elevator office, run up the stairs, and then look through her apartment. And of course, at this point, and you're right, this, I, I think this might have happened after the six. I don't know, because at this point, Belial now hauls out ass out the window he's gone now that's what uh, he does he, he escapes out of half opened windows he does that that's like that is his like modus operandi no question he gets out an open window he's Classic like belial yeah i mean he's like he's like that fucking cat that you wish your girlfriend didn't get and it's like she's always like don't leave the window open and you're like well, i didn't even want a cat and then sure enough man you left the fucking window open and then it's your ass right oh did yeah. i leave the window open right and then then you're you know, find yourself at two in the morning walking around the damn neighborhood going, Belial, Belial, because you don't want your girlfriend to be mad at you. Uh, so well, let's get back to the fever dream. Casey, that happens, whatever. But we're back, and Dwayne Bradley is laying on the bed. He falls asleep. He's having a dream. Uh, he sweats more profusely than I've ever seen any human sweat. Yeah. And, and I want to say and, I called this. Well, I'm not sure what's going on. He's running naked down the street. Did you read the the like the stuff on the internet about this? I read nothing about this movie. So, as I said before, they they made they did nothing to get any sort of uh, 
permit to film in New York. <laughs> and so obviously they weren't getting a permit to shut down any streets in New York and film a nude scene. And so what they did was it's also cold outside. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell by uh, uh, poor Dwayne, but it's cold outside. And uh, so what they would do is they had two vans that had the heat, the heat running. And there was a van at one end of the block and a van at the other end of the block. And when they found a block where there weren't any cops or anything like that, he'd jump out, they'd jump out with a camera, and he would run to the next van and jump in, and they'd go down a block until they got all the footage they needed. That sounds like a fun movie to have been Dude, isn't that, I mean, like, seriously, doesn't that sound like, I mean, that's guerrilla filmmaking at its finest. I really appreciate that about this movie. And so, and he was down. I mean, like, they were like, hey, what do you, you want to just run down New York naked? He's like, yeah, absolutely. And so, like, he was completely down. That's how they did it. Heated van to heated van. He would run one block. They didn't have any permits. And uh, until they got all the footage. So I love that. So that is part of the fever dream. And then in that fever dream, he's he starts feeling up his sleepy girlfriend with the bad wig. Yeah. He goes in. Uh, I think he lifts her shirt up. Yeah. He's like, he's got his hand on her. And he's and he, he does lift her, her sh- boob. She do- and we see his glowing eyes. And yeah. then here's the part that really I didn't understand is yeah. when he – does he jump off of her? Or does Dwayne come in the room and, and rip him off of her? No, 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 no. She's dead when Dwayne gets in there. She's dead. Yeah, she's dead. And I will and say then he, then very dead, visually breathing. I mean, like still, it is – Is he breathing or is he humping? That's what we weren't sure. We were like, is the con- no, the, the he's, deformed twin humping her? He's simulating – sex right because he's seen he's seen his brother do that with her earlier and so then once does Dwayne pull the deformed twin off of her here's what i didn't understand where did all the blood come from was he did he have his you, hands inside of sharon yes. yeah like he like god i didn't even i don't even want to say this on a recording yeah he like he tore her up down there like he he was using his hand. I'm again assuming because he has nothing else. So he's he's using his hand. He was simulating the sex because that's what he saw Dwayne do. This is all my theory. Uh, when, when Belial simulated sex with Sharon, it reminded me of a time I took my son to the zoo in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, I saw two turtles making love, and they were making a very, very specific sound, which was... And it reminded me a lot of that. Um, well, you know, two things of note. For whatever there. that's worth. No, I just two things. Thought you'd need there. to know. Uh, I've actually seen turtles uh, have sex before. That's I, I have seen that, and it might, believe it or not, have been at the Omaha Zoo. Uh, I think it's interesting that you went there because I've been to the Omaha Zoo, and again, it's one for, of the most amazing zoos. It is the most amazing zoo I've ever dude, been to. It's. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to like uh, really reach out for. Last week you said I was trying to get Shutter to sponsor us. I'm not trying to get the Omaha Zoo to sponsor us, but if they want to, it is. The most amazing zoo I've ever been to in my life. I don't you know, want to be I, too presumptuous, but if I worked for the Omaha Zoo and I heard this episode of Slasher, I hardly know her. I would be like, hey, guys, 
I think we've got a great marketing opportunity here. I hear they have a fantastic listenership in Germany and Ireland. In Ireland. Somewhere between 10 and 10,000 or 10 million listeners, and I think we got to jump on this. I'm with you. If I worked at the Omaha Zoo, I would be like, guys, we need to jump on this early. We need to get on this early. Oh, they're going to be crazy. They're going to be like, these guys know about the turtles. We got to get these guys. They know about the turtles. Well, actually, when I was at the Omaha Zoo, my... <laughs> they even did the sound. Hey, weren't we talking about some movie about a hot air balloon race or something? Yeah, basket race. We had with, just had a uh, with a the rock and the delightful twin. voice of Gilbert Gottfried as the Chihuahua. Was it Chihuahua? I think it was a Yorkie. Um, and, and I think we're close to the climax, the ending. Yes, we are. Which but is, this is the break. This is the break between Belial and Dwayne because uh, Sharon, is that her name? Sharon, yeah, I think it's Sharon. Badwig did not deserve to die. And he says, you know, you shouldn't have hurt her. You didn't, you know, she was good or whatever. He says something like that. You know, you shouldn't have hurt her. And, uh, but he does. He killed her, though again, once we realize she's dead, it's a little confusing because the actress is very clearly breathing. So she's dead. Dwayne is upset. Uh, and then this is when we get to the, the window scene, right? Does that happen right yep. there in Sharon's apartment or is that later? I I feel like it didn't happen in Sharon's apartment, but I might be wrong. I don't it doesn't, it doesn't matter, between. really. It doesn't what really matter. What happens is Dwayne and his brother, they get into a fight, right? And yes. it seems like uh, Belial's going to kill Dwayne, and uh, somehow they struggle and end up falling out the window, or Belial's going to jump out the window, something like that, but they end up I coming think, out of the window, and Belial's hanging from the uh, sign, the, the hotel escape sign, escape, and holding the sign, and Dwayne is hanging from Belial. Belial is the thing that is keeping them both alive at this point. You know, when we describe this, this sounds pretty deep and and epic. If this, you think about the story and you the, get rid of the budget and the bad acting and the bad foley sound, the lighting, it's kind of a really strong, tragic story that ends in a very Shakespearean way. You said you said very strong story. I'm going to politely disagree with you on that. It's a tragedy. It, it, I it mean, on paper, it looks very good. There was some weird shot, but okay, let's let's stay in this scene. Does Belial let go, or can it? Can he not hold on anymore? I think he can't hold on anymore. I think he can't hold on anymore. So he lets then, go. They fall to their death. They both fall to their death. Belial which, and Dwayne are dead. Which certainly opens up questions for me about uh, Basket Case two and three, which I did not know existed until today. Here's what's make I think this is part of this ending is part of what makes Basket Case different from a lot of classic horror movies. There's no final girl. There's no survivor. Our lead and anybody else we loved is dead. They're dead. I mean, like they both die. It's a tragic story of two twin brothers who were separated when they were adolescents and went back to seek revenge on the doctors who performed the surgery. And but then in the end, 
they died. They both died. So let's get into the response to this real quick because I, I texted you about it last night as you were texting me and telling me that you had done a horrible thing by picking this movie and yeah. you didn't think you could finish. And I was I like, got your text. I jumped yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. I read some of the reviews. Somebody said something about blah, 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 masterpiece, art, horror, masterpiece. Well, hell, now that we've talked it through, I might know what they're saying. I mean, like story structure, it's actually it's actually there. Uh, but delivery, you know, what we're seeing on the screen is tough to watch. That said, really uh, weird shots, really mm, bad foley, horrible foley, horrible Over the top acting. acting, horrible, horrible acting. But I will say I'm glad I watched it. In that I know it's a cult horror. Uh, hit. I know that it's a it's a staple of cold, cult horror, and I know that lots of people like me love this movie. Mm. And so I'm glad I finally watched. I've seen it, you know, as a kid growing up. I definitely 100% saw it on the shelf. Mm. I read the back. I read the back of the cover. Didn't float my boat. Never watched it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yes, I am glad I've seen it. But if somebody said, "Hey, man, do I need to watch Basket Case?" If we were in a car driving, I'd push them right out. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to end it. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been um, a terrific Thanks so much guest. for asking me. We love having you. Hopefully we can have you again on the show sometime down the road. And listener, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you go out and watch Basket Case right away. It's a terrific film. Four out of four stars. Siskel and Ever give it two thumbs up. And we'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Alex, I love you. Love you, buddy. Makes my eyes light up. I'm not even a scrotal twin. That stuff is good. I should have had one before tonight, but I didn't. They're expensive. They're expensive.